0: Namaste. I hope you can understand my pronunciation. And I want to tell you, there must be many among you who know much more about Sanatana Dharma. And I accepted the invitation not because I know more about Sanatana Dharma, but because I grew up as a Christian and maybe can value it even better and can see more clearly why it is so special and also I noticed that it is very difficult for you to mention anything about the dogmas of other religions. So that is the reason. I want to, st- I want to first touch on why Sanatana Dharma is best. Then I want to come why it is portrayed as worst. Then I want to come to the common aspects and what is different between Hindu Dharma and Christianity and Islam. And in the end, I want to come to the point that we have to bring truth back into that discourse about religion. It is lacking now, nowadays. So, I want to start with a shloka from the Vedas and please join in if you know it. It basically means, may our study be fruitful, may no enmity arise between us. Om <laughs> Sahaviriyam karavahvee ti chasvina vatita mastu ma vidvishavhee um shanti shanti shanti. Sanskrit is the oldest language and the most perfect. How is it possible? I mean, there's no doubt that India is the cradle of civilization. Even if Google search or Wikipedia tells that it is Mesopotamia. It it is just, it can't be true. And the rishis had so much knowledge. And you have this great treasure of knowledge about all fields I mean from (coughs) mathematics, music and medicine and economy and I mean in every field you have so much knowledge but I want to touch here mainly on one point which impressed me most when I came to India 38 years ago and uh, it is this point that All this is Brahman. Brahman has become all this. Everything is permeated by the one great Brahman. It means it is also in us. It has a great. I mean, it is very important for our life, ultimately. So when I when I came to India, I landed up in Kanyakumari by chance. There was a. There was a memorial for Swami Vivekananda and I bought the book Jnana Yoga there and when I read it, it was, I mean, it just said what I always felt is true but what I couldn't have expressed so clearly. It it impressed me so much that I really wanted to live accordingly but I had no idea how to live. What impressed me was that there is like one ocean, like Brahman, and the waves are like the persons. And we, the persons, think we are separate, we have a separate form, and we see only other waves, and some of us even are very firm that so there is no ocean at all. <laughs> <And coughs> but ultimately, when our form goes, we are nothing but the ocean. And there's also an example given why we don't see the truth, because that's the mind, just the mind, can completely wield the truth. When there's a, a rope lying <coughs> on the ground, and <coughs> it's dim light, so then uh, we can, if I think it is a snake, I see only a snake, and I'm frightened at everything, and it's on, I look straight at the rope, I look at the truth, but I think it is something else. So basically we look always only at Brahman, at the divine, and we see something else, but we have to discover this that is a meaning of life also that we try to discover the truth about ourselves. So <clears throat> that this um, that divinity is in us, it has to sink in. I mean, we have to put it into our lives. And for me, it was a little easier because soon after, I landed up at Sekumbha Mela in Hardwar in 1980, at Artakumbh it was. And there I met Devaraha Baba and Ananda Maima. And in their surroundings, it became much easier. I started to read Upanishads. I started to read a lot, and especially Ananda my Ma. Sorry, Ananda my Ma. She stressed very much on bhakti. She said, uh, "Feel that Bhagwan is moving your legs when you walk. Feel actually in his loving embrace, and feel twenty-four hours a day. Be aware of his presence." So, when I, when I got up in the morning, I wanted to be aware 24 hours a day. And when I brushed my teeth, I had already forgotten about it. But uh, I mean, the, the, the aspiration is there. And in this surrounding, it was much easier. So, that's when I started to write about it also. Now, is it true that the divine is really in us? I mean, just the claim does not, does not mean it is also true, no? So first we have the insights of the rishis, they said we have experienced it. And second we have also the Upanishads, they explain how to come to this conclusion by questioning. Upanishads are a question answer in many cases, no? So am I a body? No. Am I the mind? No. Always changing. I am not I mean, I am unchanging, I have a body, I have a mind. So, this is one point that you come by Jnana by Yoga, that you question what is true, what can I really know about truth and one comes to the conclusion that actually I can only know that I am, nothing else. I cannot say you are there because I may be dreaming and actually the the rishis claim that this is more like a dream or like a virtual reality. It is not the real thing what we see here and now science also supports it. They came to the conclusion all is one energy and uh, the rishis say this energy is conscious. The, I think the scientists they will have to turn inside to discover this but at least they have discovered that all is one, there, there are no separate objects, no separate entities in, at all. So now how to live life, basically you follow Dharma and Dharma is in building us, we have a conscience which tells us what is right and wrong. And if we are in, a, in a, if we are not sure what is right and wrong, then scriptures also help. And then you have such a wonderful division also, like the stages in life. According, a student has a different dharma from an old man or from a householder, and also according to your profession, what you are doing, you have a different dharma. So. You have such a wonderful complete uh, system and the mindset which it makes is the most ideal for harmoniously living together because Bhagavan is in me it means I can draw my strengths from inside I should do it now maybe <laughs> from I'm not used to speaking I have to tell you and but he's also in in you that means you are kind to others, also in animals, in nature, so you let everybody live and you live and let live. The most ideal way for the golden rule, I don't do to others what you don't want to be done to you. And also, one more point I should mention, why are there so many Gods in Hinduism? And Actually this Gods is a very mischievous translation for Devas. Devas are powers which are greater than the human being and which are absolutely essential for our existence here. Like for the sun for example. We could not live without the sun. So if we do pranam to the sun, it makes sense because everything is Conscious, everything is. I mean, I am composed of three billion cells. I mean, so for the Westerner would say, what nonsense? How can you just a ball of helium? So this is uh, your view is much much better, and all the devas are ultimately, of course, also nothing but Brahman, and the Upanishads they clearly express it that that. Ganapati, for example, is Brahman. Devi is Brahman. Only this really exists. But there are options for trying to approach the undescribable, undescribable, unimaginable truths by, yeah, by even loving devas or by loving a form, which helps somehow. And therefore, it's also no problem in India that so many streams are side by side. There are people who worship Shiva, who worship Krishna, who worship Devi. It, it doesn't matter. It, it is, uh, everybody is accepting this. But now, why is Indian culture and Hindu Dharma so much vilified? There's so much unfair, relentless attack. You are called intolerant. Oppressing women dalits minorities religious minorities even now in recent years rapists terrorists i mean it 's completely unfair it's it's so much out of um, it, it's simply it has to have an agenda it cannot be um, Honest honest or sincere. Like in, in on German TV there, um Arundhati Roy came, for example, and she was telling about how women are oppressed in India and how and on Gonsalves, I I don't know his first name, he was saying that every minute so many women are raped. I mean it was absolutely terrible. They just make India put India down. So I feel the reason is basically because India has so much knowledge and because nobody should know how profound the knowledge in India is and nobody should get interested in India. So it, it is usually don't talk about India except in negative terms and uh, the reason was probably because otherwise people may desert the church and this actually happened When the Vedas first reached um, the West, Western universities, the elite in the West, they were very much impressed, Voltaire for example, Voltaire was in the forefront of fighting the church. He was saying the Vedas are the greatest gift to humanity and we are eternally indebted to India and he he went to prison for fighting the church and so many others in Germany also, people who praised the Vedas. So the church was already in education because they had to to indoctrinate their children. So I feel the the agenda was Hinduism was coined a new word and it was put side by side with religion and immediately of course as an inferior religion. Because Christianity has the only true God, so and Hindus have so many gods, so it must be inferior and uh, I, for example, knew already in primary school that India has a caste system. these two things, many gods, wrong, because we have a true God, and many caste and the uh, caste system very oppressive, very bad, untouchable. I remember this untouchable, unberührbare in German. It left a big um, impression <coughs> on me when, when I was in, in school. And I did not know at that time that 100 kilometers from my place there was a concentration camp. I went to school in the 50s, early 60s, and I came to know about concentration camps only in high school because a professor for Latin, a teacher of Latin showed us a documentary, he made it a point to educate us otherwise we would have not known really but we know about India one thing and this one thing is caste system and this definitely is also a very mischievous agenda it was and then of course uh, Macaulay came, he in 1835 he uh, proposed to cut off um, Indians from their great culture and introduce the English education system which is still doing so much harm to India now. And uh, at the same time you were told that your tradition is not worth anything and there is a lecture on the net, uh, not a lecture, um, a, a talk written of one professor in Tübingen University, a German university of 1839, 1839, four years after Macaulay. And there he tells that, oh, we are very lucky because recently a missionary has come from India. A missionary is from our area. He has come back from India and he has donated to our university 11 volumes of ancient manuscripts. And uh, he called it a great ornament, great treasure. And then he said, but of course, our treasure is very small compared to the treasures which are in the India House in London. So the. They knew very well the, the the value of it i don't uh, there is a podcast on on the net with uh, one uh, uh, k s Palasupramaniam, professor k s Palasupramaniam from Kupuswami Research institute in chennai and there he says and he says it can be taken on record he says that. Dr. Padma Subramaniam, a famous dancer and scientist, she went for a program in Leningrad, St. Petersburg. And there she went to the museum, and the director of the museum showed her the Indian manuscripts um, department. And he told her that there are over 1,000 manuscripts, and the Russians had captured them from the Germans. And among those uh, palm leaves, there was one on missiles. And Russia built its first intercontinental ballistic missile on the knowledge from this palm leaf. He said, and there they say so many things which which are in this ancient text. In fact, I met in 1984 once a German from a German university. And he had a project for two years in India to search the ancient texts not for spiritual uh, clues but for uh, scientific clues. So it means the West takes it very seriously, but uh, you are told not to take it seriously. And I am sure if your academia, your academics, the Western uh, English universities would not look to the West but would cooperate with Sanskrit pundits who don't speak English or who speak English badly. They have much more knowledge still and then modern science would not be Western science but it would be Indian science. And I said anyway it is Indian science because they steal it but don't don't tell you really. One more point. Often when I, people call me Sangi, sometimes, no? <laughs> and, and, I am, I am through, and the same thing thrown at me, which maybe are thrown at you also, for example, uh, yeah, don't, don't you know in the Manusniti there is this molten lettuce poured into the ears of Dalits, when uh, if by chance they heard the Vedas, no? I am sure it is interpolated. It cannot be in the original text, or also Brahmins were eating beef hmm? i mean when you when you see what else is there in the text, it just cannot be I mean it is so out of and and those who translated the text and they were not well well meaning towards you so um. Don't don't take it at face value. Immediately, some people go into into defensive and uh, try to well, we can change it, and uh, it is not so important. Don't don't believe it. But I feel times are changing. Indians have great brains. There is no doubt. I mean, I really admire your capacities, and I think it is even would be much more if you do Sadhana trying to discover this divinity in you. And for example, Sri Nivas Ramanujan, sometimes I imagine he had gone to a television studio and told Arnab Goswami, um, (laughs) by the way, I got these formulas in in my dream, how would we react? (laughs) But it is, It is true. I really feel the Rishis had an access to a different level of consciousness. And this is there. It is now also there. And we have to develop the capacity to to access this, this different planes. Now to the point common and different aspects between Sanatana Dharma and the religions. Christianity and Islam. Communists, they all worship one, Supreme. So often it is said, so what is wrong, we all worship God, whether you call him like this or that. There was even somebody on TV once, he said, what does it matter if I worship Krishna or Christ? And I feel that it is quite ignorance because there is a big difference. The church started with this claim that we alone have the truth, God wants all to believe this only and if you don't believe it you go eternally to hell. No evidence, no proof, a claim and Islam followed a few centuries later. So the Christian God, he is, they tell a story, they say um, 2000 years ago God has sent his only son to earth and because God had compassion, because all humanity is still suffering from the original sin, so through his death and resurrection um, we, we get saved by him, but there's one condition, you have to acknowledge Jesus as the son of God and have to believe in him and have to get baptized. And nobody of course heard it in the beginning but as soon as it became state religion in the Roman Empire, the Christians went also berserk. They uh, looted they burned temples, destroyed temples. Even Sitaram Goel says there were Hindu temples in in Rome also and uh, killed intellectuals they went all over Syria Egypt and that's how they got up to now two billion followers in the beginning a lot of a lot of violence in Germany 800 AD refusal of baptism was a death sentence if you refused baptism you could be killed would be killed and uh, there's a, a a comment by one of the advisors of the king of the emperor, Karl, and he said, yes, you can force them to, to baptism, but how can you force them to believe? But the church managed to force to believe even to a certain extent because they indoctrinated children and when you were born in a Christian family, you cannot leave. I mean you cannot get out. In Germany you could get out only in 1847 and in Spain only in 1978. They got religious freedom means they could leave the church. Before that you were bound and religion comes from religare, Latin it means to bind. Earlier I used to be very charitable and I thought oh maybe they might, they mean, to bind to God, and uh, uh, but it basically means to bind to a doctrine. Otherwise, why would this term uh, religion be used, without uh, Christianity was there, and it was also used when the when the Turks were in front of uh, of Vienna. It was for the first time used also for Islam, the religion of the Muslim So. This religion definitely means to bind to a doctrine, and it is a doctrine which is, it requires blind belief. Now there is one issue, um, of course the Christian God is jealous of other God. he loves his followers, hates the others, and um, man must not think about it because man can never know the truth, that's what we are told, you just have to believe because God has revealed it. There is one thing, but they also tell you, on one hand they try to manipulate you and uh, make you like sheep to to follow, and on the other hand they tell you they, that you are chosen, you are very lucky, as a child I knew already, you are so lucky because you are born in the right religion, God loves you, you know the true God. and uh, Like this, and all these others. I remember once in primary school, a missionary came from India, and he was telling, uh, he was making us pray. I don't know how I remember this, that uh, we we were praying for the poor, hungry, heathen children in India, that they also hear of dear Jesus and are saved like us. So some of these missionaries may really be serious, I mean they really may believe it that uh, they have to bring you out from the darkness or whatever, but they have to be made, we have to um, stand up also and make, um, show them that it's not like this. Another point which is terrifying for children and which you usually cannot imagine is eternal hell. No, really, I mean, you may laugh, but it's really true. I was nine years when a friend who was Protestant, she convinced me not to go to church on mass on, on, on Sunday, to mass on Sunday. Protestants for them it was not a terrible sin. For us Catholics it was a terrible sin. You would go straight to hell. So we played. I did not go. I didn't tell my parents. But afterwards, I was so terrified that I could die before I had confessed my sin to the priest. Once a month, we went for confession. We had to tell whatever we did wrong. And so I was really, really frightened. Now I also can't imagine anymore, but I remember that I was really frightened. If I die now, if a car hits me or whatever, and for all eternity I will be in hellfire. I mean, if you imagine it, there's an ex-Muslim on the net. I heard him recently, he's now an 80s somehow. And he said it frightened him so much that he decided, he said, eternity, eternity, even one year is too much, even ten minutes is too much. And he even put a matchstick on his skin. And he said, it's painful. No? So then he said, I found out, it's basically usually the more sincere people who really believe it also, no? who follow others, couldn't care less maybe, but those who are sincere, say take it seriously. So he he found out said, boys up to 15 years in Islam cannot make any sin before the age of reason, which is 15 years for boys and 9 years for girls he he goes to paradise if he dies so he decided to do to, to suicide and he tells it that uh, uh, when he was 12 he jumped out from the window of a school and broke two legs and broke one arm and damaged his spine was three months in hospital lost one school one year in school his parents were devastated they sent him afterwards to counseling and he couldn't, he said, I wanted to say accidentally I fell but he couldn't tell his parents because he gave his watch to a friend before he, he jumped and, but, I mean, you, take it seriously because those boys say, yeah, when you are 12 and you believe it, how can you change when you are 18 Suddenly, you still believe it, no? One more important thing happened that uh, the church the church did a lot of first. They first started this claim that only we are right and everybody has to believe it. Islam followed. And then the church also. In five hundred fifty three AD there was a council in Constantinople and there they decided to, uh, to call the belief in rebirth wrong. You must not believe in rebirth. Up to then, it was very common that uh, people believed in rebirth. Even Jews believe in reincarnation. And even now, so the Bible was clear, there are two instances in the Bible which clearly say, yeah, it is uh, only explanation is that there is rebirth. So they forbade the belief. That means. People are more, manipul- uh, they, they are more frightened, how can I experiment if I have only one life, maybe the church is right. That is, Many people think like this, maybe they are right, what if and so better stick to them. Islam of course has even today blasphemy laws in Pakistan, imagine you get killed for your voicing your opinion. <coughs> and one thing is very painful in that in the Quran violence is um, permitted basically against Kafirs no? and there is a, a Cypriot, uh, a Turkish Cypriot recently was giving an interview, He's now in his 80's, 85, 87 old man. And now they wonder whether they will have to. Uh, they will persecute him. He admitted in this interview that in the 1970s he was there and was um, killing Greek Christian Greeks. There was killing kafirs. So then somebody asked him. The interviewer asked him, "Was it difficult to kill them, the Greeks, your neighbors, basically?" And then, I couldn't believe, but he really said it, nothing more pleasurable than to kill Kafirs. I mean, imagine. And for, for, some, for some type of man, this type has an attraction. And we need to be honest. We need to see it also and the state of affairs in the lands which which have converted to Christianity and Islam, all have converted. There is no Christian and no Muslim in the world who has not ancestors who were not Christian or Muslims. Because they came only recently, 2000 years ago and uh, they were pushed to convert, because it doesn't make sense, so that's why they had to use violence and also indoctrination. Now, in, since we can get out of the church, of course many, many have got out. In, in Europe now, Germany has 55% Christians. In England now it's not a Christian country anymore, they were saying. And, uh, but the problem is that we are lost, we become atheists, big moral degradation in our countries, Amazing a friend recently, He's from he's from America and he went to America and came back and said, you can't believe what moral degradation has happened in the last 30 years in America. It is really painful. And no meaning in, in life, people don't see a meaning, they think enjoy and um, yeah, it's a very sad, sad state somehow. And in Muslim countries, of course, it's very regimented and women are oppressed. Yesterday only I saw a woman, a Pakistani woman uh, with the elections, was telling, Life for women in Pakistan is very difficult, she was saying on, on TV. Now compare this with India, liveliness and colorfulness. And when I came to India, actually, I was really envying Hindu children that they are not. Brainwashed into eternal hell, that nobody frightens them, <coughs> really. I mean you can't imagine, but uh, we take it seriously and especially children, when somebody big tells them something, eternal hell, no? So, here. Yeah. Now the point, I feel it is a duty of Hindus and Buddhists and others, because Christianity and Islam are basically in the same boat, to bring truth back into this whole discourse, or better even to bring the quest for truth, which is Hindu dharma, instead of religion, instead of this binding to a doctrine, why should anybody be bound? I mean we we are all born free or what is, I don't know, human rights charter, and we have to see that in the name of Christianity and Islam a lot of suffering happened and therefore we also should not shy away from finding out what it is and try to convince them to get this inclusive mindset of Sanatana Dharma. It is very strange when Christianity and Islam convert Hindus, nobody has any objection But if only one family converts, not converts, it's not conversion, comes back to Hindu dharma, big shouting. I mean this is absolutely incomprehensible, I mean it needs to be the other way around. When you are born a Christian you cannot, you are not allowed to think freely. You cannot, uh, I think Voltaire was it who said, uh, God has given me intelligence. I think he wants me to use it, <laughs> so we are not meant to use it actually. Now, why why is Sanatana Dharma superior and the others inferior? Is because they are based only on blind belief in a story. There's no uh, no evidence whatsoever, and there it has harmful consequences also, like. I don't think colonialism would have been possible, such brutal colonialism, if we would not have this attitude that we are chosen by God, we are superior, we, we have the uh, true God, He's on our side. And also the Muslim invasions, they couldn't have been so brutal if they would not think these unbelievers are substandard. I mean they are not really human. And that it was so unhuman, so so painful this time, so I mean millions killed for no reason whatsoever. No? I mean wrong reasons. Now, Christianity and Islam claim we only have one God, all others have more God. But ultimately it is more that they have diluted the concept of one God because in Sanatana Dhamma, it is oneness, all is one, everything is only Brahman. And in uh, Christianity and Islam, we have God, separate entity, you must not claim that you are one with God. And uh, apart from this, we have angels, we have Satan, we have human beings. Let's debate in an interface dialogue, let's really debate. So far, interface dialogues are really a sham. I went to two now, and it was just a promotion for Christianity and Islam. <clears throat> I wrote once in an article: Christians praise Christianity, uh, Muslims praise Islam, and, Christ- and Hindus praised Christianity and Islam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is really. <laughs> And the, the bill the Hindus paid was very good lunch also. <laughs> and in Delhi, I was in a in a interface dialogue, and there one could, and that one in Delhi, one couldn't ask questions. There one could question, and I asked a question, and the Christian um, priest he avoided immediately. He went immediately to personal experience. My personal experience with Jesus is no? that's what they will always tell immediately. I said, I said, it's not about you or what you feel about the doctrine. Please speak about the doctrine, but he wouldn't. No chance. So this claim that only we have one God is false, because the most pure oneness is here in India, you from ancient times, and so we have to clarify this. And idol worshiper is for them the worst, they can do to us everything if they believe we are idol worshippers and uh, we need to be more clear in all this, explain that Brahman is the essence in all and that it can be experienced and science supports it and nowadays we talk so much about identity, what is our identity? Our identity ideally should be, I am Shiva, I am Brahman, I am Divinity, I am. this is my truth. I don't think that the top clergy believes what, what they teach, the common people. The Pope recently, a uh, few years ago, gave an interview to a German uh, weekly newspaper and there he said that uh, atheists also will reach the place which Catholics Will reach means heaven. So was a big thing. I mean, people were very much. Uh, um, it was a very great deviation. If any normal people, normal person, would say it, of course it would be very normal. But when the Pope said it, <clears throat> it made a big splash. So soon after, a Vatican spokesman clarified that according to the Christian doctrine, only Catholics, one has to be baptized. To go to heaven, can you believe it? And uh, an, a nice an example also, when I told my mother, for uh, when I was 18 or so, said I I won't go to mass anymore on Sunday. Her first reaction was, "What if you go to hell?" I told her I won't go to hell. But many years later, I asked her once, "Are you still frightened?" That I go to hell. And then she said, No, I am not frightened any longer. And what happened was that my uncle, her brother, who was a priest, he passed away now, uh, he had told her, I am not worried about Maria. She's a good person. So, you know, he would preach, the common people should believe it, but even the priest does not. And the popes surely don't, because the way many of them lived I means they would really be they would have to be very much frightened of eternal hell if if it was there, no? So yeah. And also in Islam, when if they really believe that a jihadi, if you kill kafirs, goes has a higher state in paradise, it is in Quran, which says somebody uh, who does jihad, and the jihad is meant not an inner jihad but an outer jihad. He uh, he secures a higher higher state in paradise. So if they really believe it, then all these old imams and mullahs uh, who are terminally sick, why don't they do it? I mean, they don't believe it, obviously. No? If, if you you can you can indoctrinate young people but when you get a little older you you see different things. In Germany also we have a saying, uh, translated it means who believes it will get heavenly place. But this saying we say only when somebody tells obviously a lie. I mean when it is very clear that this cannot be the truth, we say who believes it will get to heaven. I mean, common people had some uh, some wisdom, and uh, but for normally for the commoner, it's just it's a revelation, it's God's word. You must not touch it. And this, I feel, is also the reason why many Hindus do not touch it, because it's God's word no. But then, can there be three truths? We really have to ask. No. First of all, can there be two truths? Christianity claims only truth. Islam claims only truth. They never sort it out. Who is now true? They cannot sort it out because it's not possible. And there cannot be three truths. There, there is one imam from Saudi Arabia also, who was. Who was saying, I think Dr. Sakya Naik also repeated it afterwards, I heard him also. He said, The reason why no other religion is allowed in Saudi Arabia is because two and two is four. There's only one answer. It cannot be three or eight or no. Two and two is four. And Islam is true, it's a true answer. We have to debate it, I mean the most ancient revelations, there are three revelations, no? and the most ancient which makes sense, the rishis would have never accepted somebody coming and saying, this is the truth, they would say, give me some proof, give me some evidence, you cannot just claim something and I feel we have to go back to this stage also and have to have to be more... <laughs> Honest. So which, which revelation is true? I mean the Vedas is original, ancient, makes sense, can be experienced, is greatly beneficial for harmonious living and it makes human beings better and not worse. When a religion makes somebody worse, then it's not. There's one point also when in 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 religious class I remember having learned if there's a conflict between your conscience and the church doctrine, you must choose the doctrine. Which is now we have a problem nowadays, which is Islamic terrorism. In only three years the migrants in Germany have managed to change the opinion towards them completely. In the beginning people were welcoming them, um, volunteering and donating and now common people are very very wary. And what is the reason? Because many of them unfortunately take the claim that we Germans, kafirs, are the worst of creatures. Serious, and they can do, they can harm us. So this is, and we have a responsibility for these young people because they are gullible. It's, we have to, we have to expose the doctrine. If we just, if we only go after Sakineh, and not after, and not mention that he can draw. From, that he draws actually from Quran, then uh, we are not sincere. We are not doing our duty. I feel. I mean, it is difficult. I know, but um, the two two points, jihad and belief, which are necessary for a Muslim, we have to question them. Because this can really be helpful for a harmonious society. I feel for if we want to have a global society really, then we need the mindset which Sanatana Dharma produces. We cannot have this divisive mindset of we alone are true and you go to hell. It is just not possible. So I wonder what can be done, I don't know. Every day, new kids are brainwashed. It is going on daily. Now, Every day in Germany now there are kids police saying, they say uh, when I am big, I will kill you because you are a kafir. So that is, I wonder whether whether Asian country could petition, could do something that uh, in the name of freedom of religion you cannot you cannot um, provoke hate and cannot. Yeah. So religion, in the sense of binding to a doctrine, I find has to go. People cannot be forced blindly. And we need an atmosphere where eternal hell and also jihad is criticized and even made fun of, ridiculed. Like in the 1960s, for example, in Germany, suddenly we could criticize the church. I think Yuri Gagarin, I don't know how he, the, the Russian astronaut, he had come back from space and he was telling that he has not seen God. <laughs> <laughs> and for us, I mean, we, we started questioning yeah? and so, and we could get out from the church by then. So, it, the church didn't reform, the clergy will not reform, they, they defend their fiefdom, but people have to get out. I feel that is the only only way to make people realize that there is more to life and that there is a meaning in life and that we can discover it and yeah we have to spread this good news. There is a friend in Missouri, she once told me that a woman came to her kitchen door and told her, have you heard already the good news? She said, no, uh, what? He said, Jesus has died for your sins. She said, please leave my house. <laughs> but we have a really good news that Divine Presence is within and we, if we do sadhana, we can also feel it and, uh, and it is worthwhile. We should really, um, for trying to discover it, doing some sadhana. And I think it is it is no doubt the best option for humanity. And maybe you all can think how we how we go about to I mean India has to stand up. At present the other two pulley you and you allow yourself to be put on the defensive and you have no need to go on the defensive. One more point, what I feel very strongly also, thanks to Christianity and Islam and this genesis claim that we can use animals just like um, tables or whatever and kill them, I don't, uh, I feel it's, it's very wrong. 56 billion of animals are killed, cows, Goats, every, I mean, slaughtered. This is, and this would not happen if Sanatana Dharma would still be strong. Some may be, in in some cases it may be necessary, but this massive, brutal slaughter is just, is too inhuman. And, uh, yeah, by the way, the much maligned Manusmriti, it is very strong. Somebody who sells an animal who kills it, who buys it, who cooks it, who serves it, who eats it, they all are murderers. So yeah, thank you very much.